Look at somebody nearby you and say, you're looking better since you've got here. You're looking better. We want to look at, uh, continue in our little series for this month. We started off with knowing the power of forgiveness, uh, knowing the power of prayer and fasting. How are you doing with the prayer and fasting part? Is anybody moving along there? That's a... Uh, there's a quickening that ha happens when you begin to remove certain food things out of your life. If you do all of it or some of it, uh, this is a good a good uh, practice. But the, today, the, I wanted to really look at uh, the power of knowing the covenant with God, knowing covenant with God, because it's more of a fundamental. It undergirds every all the disciplines, and so we'll be talking about some other disciplines. Do you know the the covenant? You know, when you have when God makes a covenant with, with with you, then it motivates all the other disciplines. Everything like sending it, you know, reading His Word. Um, Kerry Kirkwood in his book, uh, Knowing Covenant, something like that, Knowing the Power of Covenant. Um, he mentions that when the Lord gives you a scripture promise, that when that happens, that He's beginning to show His covenantal relationship to you and so it's not just a, a promise that you're grabbing but the Lord says I'm establishing you can trust in me I'm breathing the life of my word into this word for your heart to be established and bonded with me that I'll be the one that takes care of you in this this area and, and we grow in that through our life so that it covers giving it covers uh, all of our needs everything about us so this is like I said to um help undergird how many of you found yourself in over your head in some situation and the mental warfare is taxing haven't you you see you know it's just have you ever faced something that terrifies you okay all right have you ever made a series of bad decisions that left you feeling hopeless like you'll never get out of the crisis that you created anybody done that one well, you're not the first, you know, that what, kind of the, the humor of this is when Moses was put in a little basket and he was going down the river, he's not the first basket case that he's, God's, you know, we, God's dealt with a lot of basket cases, you know. Have you ever uh, had a crisis come upon you and you're at a loss to solve the problem? You didn't create it, but it just happens, see. So we all need the support. We all need... Uh, uh, we're all in over our heads at some time or another, and uh, things will be going along fine, then something can go wrong. So who is there for you? Where do you turn? I'm going to read the first part of this verse, and put, when I get to the, ver the, the next little slide, pop it up. It says, Philippians 1. I, I felt drawn to put this in here, even though it's, well, you'll see. Uh, so it's Philippians 1, 27, 28. It says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel, so that whether I come and see you, Paul's saying, or in absent, I hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, thriving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And then he says this. Now look at this with me. And not being, not, not frightened in anything by your opponents. Would you say that with me? and not frightened in anything by your opponents. Now watch this. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. Now just let that get inside of you. Let that get down inside of you. Because see, Paul 
could write this down because he understood the covenant that God is with him. Now he's writing this and he's in prison. We wouldn't have a lot of the New Testament if Paul had not been in prison. They're called the prison epistles or the letters from prison. And he's writing this. He goes, hey guys, don't be terrified. Not frightened in anything by your opponents. Anything by your opponents. Now watch this. When you have the peace of God on you and you're not frightened, it has an effect on them. The adversary and people motivated by the adversary. By the way, let me say this. I want to go ahead and say people, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And I've learned this. Uh, the Lord's helped me. In fact, the more that the Lord's giving me prayer assignments to pray for people who are doing wrong in the world, it's an amazing thing. It's a crazy thing. It's like, but I, I start feeling a love for them. And I start interceding because, see, they have a gift and the calling of God, but they missed it. They're applying everything wrong. They're applying all their things that they're, they're, they're given to in a way that's destructive. And the Lord has helped me see that people who partner with the devil over a period of time end up more empty than they've ever been. And that there's no fruitful satisfaction to it. You, you might end up with money, but you don't end up with joy. You, gotta, you have to establish being agitated all the time. There's no peace in hatred. There's, it, it doesn't come that way. But when the Lord says, so don't be frightened of that. Don't be frightened of the opponents that that are motivated by ill will and all. Don't be frightened of it. Have the peace of God inside of you. And then the adversary or the, you know, says, this is a clear sign of them of their destruction. Hey, it ain't working. And of your salvation. And that from God. I put this scripture here because of this. This is kind of like, Paul is kind of like a very, very seasoned and mature man of God who's gone through so many different fires for the Lord and uh, he understands that God is a God of covenant so we're going to walk along with this for a minute but there, it started off with a covenant with, with Adam uh, and uh, about being fruitful and multiplying but he blew it you know. and then, then God raises up another covenant with Noah to, to spare the world and uh, we have the covenant of the rainbow uh, that he says I will never destroy the earth again with rain you know and then there's another covenant, and the, the real we get back on course really with Abraham. But we'll talk about Abraham in a minute. And then there's more. There's a covenant through Moses or Israel, the law. And then there's a covenant with David. And then there's the new covenant brought by Jesus. So there's some. These are the major ones. And uh, so when we are fully aware of a covenant making and covenant keeping God, we're aware that we're never alone. That He will always step in and fight the battle for us. And David, when he was uh, Facing Goliath, he was using covenantal language based on the knowledge of his covenant with God's covenant with Israel. So he refers to Goliath as, get this, an uncircumcised Philistine. Why would you say that? Because there was a sign in the covenant. Sign of the covenant through uh, given through uh, Abraham was uh, circumcision. But now that is turned into the circumcision of the heart in the New Testament. Uh, so we find today that there's a covenantal sign. It's the changed life. But First Samuel 17:41, the Philistines moved forward, uh, came near David with his shield bare in front of him. So there's this big, great big old towering 
Goliath. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him. He says, because he was but a youth, ready and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, I, I, am I a dog that you should come to me with sticks? Well, David didn't have any sticks. I wonder what, what the deal is, because he had a bag with some stones in it, and he had a sling, but the, he probably had a bad eyesight. And the Philistine says, uh, so he cursed uh, David by his gods. And then the Philistine said to David, come to me, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And then this is what David says. Notice this. You come to me with a sword and a, with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. Now David isn't talking smack. He's talking covenant. He's decreeing the word of the living God to the adversary. Goliath was talking smack. David was talking covenant. And so he swings it. That stone is buried into the forehead of that giant. He falls down. David goes over to him, pulls the sheet out of his big old, that big old sword out of the glass sheath and cuts Goliath's head off. It's done. Then he took the head, put it on a spear out in front of his tent. Wow. <laughs> the giant killer. Because why? Because he stood in the covenant. He stood in the covenant. They stood in covenant. David is repeating the covenant promise that, that God will fight the battles. And when you know you're in covenant with God, you could call on your covenant partner. If you don't know that, you don't. Now there's a word here. This word, uh, it's a Hebrew word, berith. It means to, um, it's the, the, the foundational word for the word covenant is, means to cut or divide. And it's uh, an allusion to the sacrificial custom in connection with the covenant making of dividing an animal. And so they take an animal, put it in halves, and uh, that's part of the, where that word comes from. In the New Testament, the Septuagint, if you don't know, this is just okay, the, the Hebrew Bible was written in Hebrew. But then there came a, a time when uh, some Jewish scholars of that day wrote all of the Old Testament into, the, into Greek. And so that's called the Septuagint. So, 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 there was, so it could be more accessible. And so they had a word for a covenant as well. They had two different ones. And uh, diatheke, diatheke is one of the words, and suntheke is one. Suntheke is where more, where you, this, uh, well, this one we need to talk about first. And this is the classic definition of covenant in the old uh, history of the in ancient days. What, would, what you have is you would have a group of people that were 
very gifted in one area, and that the one area would be they're good farmers. They're farmers. They could farm. They could grow stuff. They're good farmers. Uh, they were not good at fighting. They're bad at, you know, winning any battles. So they were always picked on. So people come and take their crops, and that's a real thing. And then you have this other group that they can't farm. They're just really bad at it can't grow a squat, right? But, but they're warriors. And so the warriors and the farmers get together. And there's a concept of the covenant. And this is, uh, this is how it worked. What they would do is they would, there were three basic things that they would talk. They'd have an oath, a commitment, uh, a foundational thing that they would commit to one another. They would speak this oath. They would come in. It took a lot of deliberation, but they would establish that they were going to become connected through a blood uh, sacrifice and so uh, that's one thing there's other thing is actually indeed the sacrifice and there was a um, the cutting of an animal and half and then part of the process would be that these two um, different the, the heads of these two different people groups who are now going to become blood covenanted together would walk through the halves of this animal you ever seen on the um, cameras it looks like a little circle eight that's for infinity this like this is going to last forever we're making a commitment to each other and so they're going through and they're praying and they're walking through this then the other thing that would happen is uh, they would make a mark there would be a sign of some sort uh, typically one of the things where they would cut cut their hand and let their blood flow into uh, some cup you know and they would maybe even make sure there's a scar there they just take dirt, put it on there, whatever, make sure that it's noticeable so there's a sign to other people. So when somebody is coming against this crib, uh, they hold up their hand, they go, hey, we got covenant partners. And that's going to like, oh, baby. So when you, know, when you hold up that hand, you've got, oh, this, this group, these people. Now look, at the, the covenants were so strong that if, if a family member didn't live in the covenant, they, the family member was killed. See, that, that, these are real, real, real covenants. So blood is thicker than water in this regard. In other words, you know, we're, 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 we're joining together, and this is real stuff. That's, that's, the, that's the, the one of them. Now, the other one is diatheke, and uh, this is when historically you have a... Um, it's really the, the one where you have a king... It's more used like if a king made a covenant oath with, you know, some people. He's the benefactor, and the people are the the beneficiaries of it. This is the one where God comes to Abraham, and he says, "So here, here's God's already made a commitment to Abraham. He says, I'm going to make your name great. He makes some promises to him, but then it comes time for the covenantal." portion of this relationship in Genesis 15 so now it's up to Abraham so Abraham brings the animals and he brings that stuff and he cuts it all he gets it all ready you know he says he brought him all these and they cut him in half and laid each out uh, against the other and then uh, he did not cut the birds in half for the birds of prey uh, down on the car when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, he drove them away. So here's, here's got all this meat, you know, all this out, and now the birds are coming, and he's had to beat off the... And that's such a picture, really, of, uh, you know, here's God going to establish covenant with Abraham, and Abraham's got to 
prepare this, and then the birds of the air come, and he's got to whoop them off. See, birds of the air is a sign of Satan wanting to come and steal the covenant of relationships. But anyway, he beats those off, and then um, as the sun was going down, uh, a deep sleep fell on Abram. Now he's in, he's in a deep state of sleep, and behold, a dreadful great darkness fell upon him. And so he's laying down there, and now he's in this sleep state, and now God's speaking to him, and this is all going in. For certain, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. So now he's declaring what's going to happen. I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they will come out of with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a good, good old age. And they've come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. So it's going to take time for the people who are in the promised land to get wicked enough to where it's time to get rid of them. Verse 17, put that up. And when the sun had gone down, and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between the pieces. Abraham didn't walk to the pieces. I don't know if this is Father God and Jesus or pre-incarnate Jesus and the Holy Spirit. But Abraham didn't have anything to do with the agreement. God shook hands with Himself. He said, we're going to take care of you, Abraham. You're not bringing anything to the table. We're bringing everything to the table. Listen, dear one, this is the covenant. God's bringing it to the table. You're not bringing it to the table. He's bringing it. Let's just worship. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. So he was asleep. And this is the nature of the covenant, Jesus cutting covenant. If you, I'm, just listen, just lift your heads up, close your eyes and just listen. I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation, and this is Hebrews chapter 8. Now this is the crowning point of what we are saying. We have a magnificent king-priest who ministers for us at the right hand of God. He is enthroned with honor next to the throne of the majesty on high. He serves in the holy sanctuary in the true heavenly tabernacle set up by God and not by men. Since every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices so the Messiah also had to bring some sacrifice. But since he didn't qualify to be an earthly priest, and there are already earthly priests who offer sacrifices prescribed by the law, he offered in heaven a perfect sacrifice. The priests on earth serve in a temple that is but a copy modeled after the heavenly sanctuary, a shadow of the reality. For when Moses began to construct the tabernacle, God warned him, you must precisely follow the pattern I've revealed to you on Mount Sinai. But now, Jesus, the Messiah, has accepted 
the priestly ministry which far surpasses theirs since he is the catalyst of a better covenant which contains far more wonderful promises. Just say that with me. Far more wonderful promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, no one would have needed the second one to replace it. But God revealed the defect and limitation of the first when he said to the people, Look, the day will come, declares the Lord, when I will satisfy the people of Israel and Judah by giving them a new covenant. It will be entirely different than the one I made with their fathers which when I led them out of Egypt. They did not remain faithful to my covenant, so I rejected them, says the Lord. But here is the covenant I will one day establish with the people of Israel. I will embed my laws within their thoughts and I'll fasten them unto their hearts. I will be their loyal God and they will be my loyal people. And as a result of this, will be that everyone will know me as Lord. There will be no need at all to teach their fellow citizens or brothers by saying, you shall know Yahweh, since everyone will know me inwardly. Let's come on, let's praise the Lord. This is what we get in Christ. For I will demonstrate my mercy to them and I will forgive their evil deeds and never remember again their sins. This proves that by establishing the new covenant, the first is now obsolete, ready to expire, and about to disappear. Hallelujah. So Jesus now goes to the cross. And his body is upon the cross. And he puts out his hands. And what happened to his hands? The sign of the covenant is on the body of Jesus. Jesus died in our place. And he has the marks of the covenant on him physically. And he looks up, he raises his hand, he says, he looks and he sees your changed heart. The sign of the covenant is your heart has been circumcised, it's been changed. The power of sin has been broken over you. The shame has been washed away. The purpose of God has entered your life and you're in covenant relationship with him. This is so important to understand. Because you want to be able to rise up with the same vigor that King David rose up. When anxiety comes in your house, you go, oh no! We're not submitting to fear. Because it'll come. How many of you learn the ways of the Lord? Sometimes stuff comes in your house, you go, ah, this ain't right. You lift up your praises to the Lord and Suddenly it runs into the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Runs into your confession of the Word of God. Runs into the promises of the reality of who God is in your life. I remember one time when Donald Moore, prophet, incredible guy, prayed for me. He, um, it was so funny because, you know, he's a southern guy. And he mumbled something. And I felt hollow suddenly, and I just fell to my knees. I said, what happened? This was, you know, 28 years ago when we were doing a men's conference up at Jackson Mill. And I just fell down and said, what happened? I felt hollow. I felt like something vacated me. And he says, oh, I cast a spirit out. I said, what was it? <laughs> what the heck? I felt hollow. I mean, it was had a lion's share of a control over me. He said, oh, insecurity over leadership. You've had it a long time. I, went, I would second guess every decision. 
Every decision I would second guess, everything, everything, everything. And I said, I said, man, I said, you, he, he, uh, he just, he just mumbled and it left. And I felt hollow and fell. Isn't that crazy? And then later we're going to bed and I'm, I'm standing there and he's looking and, and he was like, he's, come here, John. He's like, he's like, you're me and he, I'm him. And, and I'm, so suddenly I feel the hair on the back of my head go up on my, my neck. And he looks over there like this, like over my shoulder. He goes, yeah, they want to come back in. <laughs> he can see it. He says, yeah, here's what you need to do. You need to run it off. Like clap your hands and run it off like a dog coming up on your property. Just go, no. I went, wow, that's what you do? Yeah, you no, you're not getting back in my life. No. Covenant. No. The authority of the covenantal kids. It's not my authority. It's Jesus took authority over the devil and broke the power of all the works of darkness over my life. And I can walk in that. And you have to learn to walk in. Now, here's the other thing. I want to get right to the end here. How many of you know the Old Testament, New Testament? You look at your Bible, you got your old. Well, that's Old Covenant, New Covenant. That's what that is. So what makes it different is this. First, in the New Covenant, it's no animals. That was a shadow. No sheep. What's, what's the, the Jesus is the Passover lamb now. He becomes, this is amazing. Jesus actually becomes the sacrifice. And he, comes, he becomes the high priest too. It's ex- extraordinary. So Jesus now is the Passover lamb. Jesus is the, the one who dies in our place. That's one thing. He gave himself for us. Now here's a, just, just let's repeat this. Say, Jesus has carried all my griefs, all my sorrows upon himself to the cross. That's covenant. That's covenant. He has taken all of my sorrows, all of my griefs, all of my pains, all of thy deep needs. He's taken them. Now here's the other beautiful thing about our covenant person. Jesus, because he was tempted in every way like us, but never sinned. See, he didn't just come down and just blow everything because he's God. He, he emptied himself of all that and came and submitted to the Holy Spirit so he could give a model for how we could walk with God through the Holy Spirit. And God's the whole thing, the development of the covenant, all this covenant uh, development over the, the years in, of culminating is that you and I, you would be a son, you would be a daughter of the Most High God, and you, he would be his da- your dad, and this is a covenantal thing with him. And he gets a tad ticked when people spew and forsake the covenant because it's every he gave everything what more is God going to give I ask you what more is God going to give he can't, he's not going to give anything he, his very son But he doesn't ever call us to be mad at anybody at any time. Now, here's the, here's I want to show you a couple of uh, benefits of this covenant. Just to me, just for you. Are you ready? There's a few scriptures. <sighs> and we'll be done. Psalm 34. 
Verse 18. Read that with me. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and He saves the crushed in spirit. This is covenant. See, people outside of covenant are brokenhearted, and they have no help. They have no hope. Nobody's going to come when they're crushed. But in the family. And in fact, it says it even greater. Look at this. Isaiah 49, 15. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. God is a God of covenant. He's not going to forget you ever. In fact, it says it, uh, David says it, Psalm 27:10, For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Let's go ahead and praise the Lord. Let's praise the Lord, because that's real. Now, here's another one. Ready? Psalm 56, 8. We're almost done. You have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? This is strategically... See, today in the culture, we have so much pain. We have so much brokenness. We have so many people that are like just lost and there's no covenant. There, nobody's coming. You know why? He already came. They just don't know. They don't know that the Lord of heaven sent His Son and He came for you. He came for me. This is so strategically important to me because this word tossings can be wonderings, but how many of you have tossed? How many of you have tears? I have kept count. The Lord God, your Father, who's in covenant with you through Jesus Christ, knows every single time you've tossed and turned. Every single time. Every single tear he's kept. Come on. There's nobody that loves more intimately and cares more deeply about you than that. They don't exist. Are they not in your book? Now look at this. So Jesus knows the losses that you face in this life. Look at this. Psalm 139, verse 16. This is, I don't know, this could be coming, maybe this one of my covenant verses, because this means so much to me. It's amazing. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. Okay, now look, God has a pre written destiny of your life now look at this mothers often create scrapbooks of memories of their children's special times and accomplishments right have you got some of those you look back and you oh it's after it happened but your covenant making and covenant keeping father has made a scrapbook of your special times before they ever happened The Lord has already pasted the picture, pasted the picture of your victory in the scrapbook of your life. He already sees 
what you've become by His help through the trial. It's written in the book. Your victories are already there, written out. Let the Spirit of God come upon your heart right now. Take this in deep. He's here breathing this. He's saying, I am your covenantal God. And I have scripted the victories. They're already written down. I've already got snapshots of your victories in life, overcoming the very thing that's devastating you right now. I'm already got got you set up. Let's praise the Lord. Just a moment. We have one more thing to put up, but let me just praise the Lord for a minute. Just exalt Him. Swallow the truth. Take it in. Establish your heart that He is this good. This is your God. The God of covenant with you. That He has gone and established these victories. You will come out better than ever. Let's praise Him. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So ultimately, in the most horrible of happenings in your life, Jesus is there to enter into the pain and loss of all that has impacted your heart and recreate what was broken through death and devastation into a fountain of life and restoration. In the most horrible happenings in your life, Jesus is there to enter into the pain and loss of all that has impacted your heart and recreate what was broken through death and devastation into a fountain of life and restoration. This is our God. This is what He is. This is what He does. Let's stand together. The only way to end this is just to submit ourselves completely to Him. Just go ahead and stand and present yourself to the Lord. You are His covenantal child. You belong to Him. He has purchased you with the blood of Jesus Christ. And now everything that concerns you is His affair. Everything. Everything. Jesus said, which of you after he had healed the guy with the withered hand on the Sabbath and the Pharisees were angry with him for having done a miracle on the Sabbath. He said, which of you, if your sheep fell into a pit on the Sabbath, wouldn't you rescue your sheep out of the pit? He hit them with the reality of their life. Yes, they would go and get the sheep. Well, this person is a person, a covenantal child. 
God. And I want to hear, I want to go ahead and tell you this. This is how great the covenant love of God is. If you dug the pit that you fell in, He'll come and get you out of it. If you created the problem through obstinacy because you're just a stubborn sheep, He'll come and save you. If anything you've brought to the table because of your mis being misled about who you are, He's still coming. Because He's in covenant with you to rescue you, to come after you. He will never fail you. He will always be there. This is who He is. And He did it all through the blood of His Son. He's in covenant. Just tell Him again, say, I'm all yours. I belong to you. Everything, everything about my life is yours. Everything, everything, everything. I want to tell you this. Anxiety will burst and break like chains off your brains when you come into the revelation that you belong to Him. He will destroy the yokes of harassment and deliver you. Hallelujah. Amen.